Hi everyone, and welcome to the 185th episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host, Brandon, and I'm here with Churro! Hey guys. Churro! What's up? It's, it's, I think this is the last podcast of the year! Already? Already! <laughs> I know! This is, Churro, this was the year that Kingdom Hearts 3 came out. Like, for and, real. For real, and now we're closing it out. Yeah, it's crazy. And, uh, yeah, speaking of uh, closing it out, uh, I went to Osaka, and I went to the Kingdom Hearts concert. I saw Nomura, and I saw Yokoshimomura. It was crazy. Yeah, that made Among feel- other things. It made me feel good. It made me feel like, ah, that's the man. I love that guy. That's and, awesome. And uh, also, man, I love that woman, Yokoshimomura. It's been, it's been a long time since I've seen her. I have not seen her in over, I think... 13 years wow something like that like it's yeah since 2006 that was the last time i saw her so it was it was really nice seeing her after so long and then yeah i'll talk about the concert a little bit more uh when we get to that part of the podcast but yeah it was such a great experience and i always love osaka i will say osaka is definitely like it's one of my favorite cities in japan and it's yeah every time i go there i love it and let me just say if you ever go there just prepare to eat. <laughs> just be prepared to eat because the food that's, is amazing. That's what I do whenever I travel is eat, yeah. eat things I'd never eaten before. You know, I did in Seattle. I went to different places where my friends recommended and yeah. uh, my God, I wish I could go back again. Yeah, for me, it was actually a, a little bit of the opposite. It was more of a chance for me to eat things that I haven't eaten in a long time since, you know, I live in the middle of nowhere out here in Japan, so I us- I'm usually eating just Japanese food. But then back in, uh, in when I went to Osaka, like, oh, man, there's so many great American restaurants. I ate a hamburger at the Hard Rock Cafe. That was my first real American style hamburger. And I want to say like, it's been over three years. I don't think I ate an American hamburger the last time I went back to America. So this is like, it it was a long time coming and oh my God, it was so good. I loved it. And I, and I also had Wendy's for the first time. And I, I honestly can't remember the last time I ate Wendy's and oh my God, it was so good. And Man, I, I want to live in Osaka now. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's got so much good food. Well, hey, like it, I might, I'm, I might even say it might be better than Tokyo. Like because I think Tokyo, I mean Tokyo might have Hard Rock Cafe. I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever seen a Wendy's in Tokyo. If there was, I would have eaten it. Because well, well guess Wendy's what's in uh, Osaka for you though? Oh yeah, you know the Kingdom Hearts. Team? Oh well, well, yeah, of course, <laughs> yeah, Kingdom Hearts <laughs> team. Which, by the way, I did go there. I, I, uh, I, I went and I took a picture there. I haven't posted it to Twitter yet. I'll probably post it later. But I did go to the building that the Kingdom Hearts team happens to be in, and I, and this time I had enough courage to actually go inside. I went inside the building. L- now, let me just say, how long did you last? I survived. It was, it was fine. I went in there. I looked at a couple of the shops that were there. And uh, I I went to this one store that they were selling, I don't know, just random clothes. And I looked at these shoes that they had there, some Nikes, over $300. And I'm like, mmm, okay, bye. That sounds about right. (laughs) Yeah, it was. So it turns out, uh, yeah, the Kingdom Hearts team are way, way, way on top. They're in a building that is on top of a, a luxury shopping mall. 
and uh yeah i i quickly left <laughs> and did not return but uh it was it was an interesting experience so yeah i went into the shopping mall that was uh underneath the kingdom hearts team that um yeah they i think they're on the 33rd floor of that building and yeah as far as what's open to the public is it's the uh bottom nine floors which to my understanding that's all just a shopping area and uh let me just say being a a luxury area there really wasn't that many people there so (laughs) yeah it's typical yeah good good all all considering uh yeah everything that was there but uh yeah i'll talk about more about my little osaka adventure in a bit and then obviously churro there was a massive trailer that got got released early which i'll just say hey if it didn't release early we couldn't talk about it on the podcast so i'm happy i'm happy we can talk about this and it's a big trailer great way to kick off the end of the year so anyway for you new folks kingdom hearts union is part of the podcast series called final fantasy and kingdom hearts union and is presented by the gaming union network we release every tuesday rotating each week with final fantasy union and we come out on the itunes store spotify kingdomheartsunion.com and the kingdom hearts union's twitter which is ikh union our patreon executive producers are as follows we have nahika blaui alex and rachel troutman at akira namejin guide seeker Billy Jackson, who's at underscore Billy Jackson, Chris Morales, Miles Ribbons, Michael Graham, David Calro, Barry Norton, who's at Nortron Zero, Chris Pope, who's at Dr. Pope 181, Thorin Bullen, who's at Massacre 23, Yannick Nod, who's at Yannick Nod, Tori Patrick, Freya Stella, Fayez Bilal, Philip Sired Nuss, Lewis James, Tom Hughes, who's at Tom underscore Hughes 22, Zach Toronto, Yam Potato, Rachel Casterton, who's at Orba Yoon Ray, Zelda Clone, who's at Apes Type Novels, Darren Matthews, who's at Doomster 73, and Joseph Robertson, who's at Pokemon Trainer J. And be a part of the show. Send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com and catch our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash khunionviz. We've got plenty of videos there. All right, so now for the news. So I guess first I want to talk a little bit about the the, the concert, the Osaka concert that happened since that was something I, I got to do uh, this past week. And uh, yeah, it was super awesome concert was so like uh, awesome it was my first kingdom hearts only concert that i've ever been to and yeah if you haven't been to any of these like oh my god it's so amazing really great can't recommend it enough i will say lots of spoilers so uh just keep that in mind uh the person i went with has a very basic understanding of kingdom hearts and had her mind blown because there's many 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 revelations but uh yeah it was great and um so yeah uh towards the end of the concert uh a few people did come out so i i mentioned that yeah yokoshima mora was present and she actually acted as the mc of the whole event she was the actual like host of the concert and that's that's my first time ever seeing her in a, a like a host position and she did great and, she, she always does an amazing job oh yeah she's awesome and yeah, after uh yeah, after like the main parts of the concert and you know, she did her little piano piece toward the end. 
that she prepared and uh yeah then right after um irino miyu i think i think in america we call miyu irino but yeah whoever uh he's the voice of sora in japan he came out and he was like there and a man he was so cool and he he would like constantly be like during you know him talking to yokoshima morish he would constantly be spouting battle quotes just randomly it was pretty uh pretty hilarious he would say like yashio <laughs> which is like that's, heal that's cool i wish i wish they would do uh bring out Halo joe osman yeah oh man it was yeah he was great and yeah the person i i went with she has a much better context for him because so miyu iruno he's like he's a famous voice actor like he's really really famous and he does a ton of characters not just sora so like for for japanese people this guy he's a big celebrity and he's a big deal and like for me i know him as sora but like some of the other characters he he's done, he did a uh, Haku from Spirited Away, and like he's like this other character in in Haikyuu, that basketball anime, and like he's he's a ton of characters and a ton of anime, so he's really really famous, and like people were freaking out. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, and like like I like for me, yeah, I've, I'm freaking out too, but like I don't I don't have the same context that all these other people have for for this man on stage right now but like i'm I, i'm just there and i'm just happy to be there with everybody who's feeling super hyped by this guy so but he was really hilarious and then um oh there, there was actually a lot of people that came out uh i don't know if anybody really talked about this but um ishimoto ishimoto the other guy that makes music for kingdom hearts he was also there uh, wow. He did. He did work on uh, the world ends with you, and he also helped out with. I think he's been helping out on the games. I think he's. I think he did work a little bit on Kingdom Hearts too, but he worked like actual composing since Dream Drop Distance, I believe. Or actually, no, yeah, he he did work a little bit on Breath by Sleep. Yeah. So he's he's been he's been with the series and helping uh, Shimomura out for a while. But not only him, another composer came out, this guy named Sekito, and he works on Union Cross, and he actually recently made the music for the Wreck-It Ralph world for Union Cross, and he also did work on Kingdom Hearts 3, so he's a newer composer that's been working with Yoko Shimomura, and yeah, it was great to see uh, both of them together. Uh, another person that came out at another point that I actually haven't seen before. It's the the new uh, brand executive producer for um, for Kingdom Hearts. So you know, as, as we all know, Shinji Hashimoto has taken like a a, a smaller role now, and he's m- more working on a like a more broad sense as a final fantasy and kingdom hearts brand manager, but he's not the executive producer of kingdom hearts anymore. I, f- I forget the guy's name, but the new executive producer came out and he's really young and really cool looking. He's got like this like side shave hair and it like flips over. It's kind of Skrillexy. It's he's really cool. And so he was there. And then obviously as everybody knows, Tetsuna Moore came out which was awesome did that crowd go like crazy for him oh yeah of course like 
it's you know typical namora comes out of his cave and everybody freaks out it was great and uh he he's typical namora it's actually like it's very interesting now experiencing all of this because you know i've been with yuchiro at to many events and we've seen namora at these events but this is like my first time going to an event like this where everything is all in japanese but now it's my first time going to an event like this because you know i've watched live streams in the past like for final fantasy 15 and whatever but this is the first time that i've gone to an event like this and i can actually understand what everybody's saying and it's a very surreal experience because something you just don't get across when you're just watching like a live stream and then there's like a translator there or just subtitles is you don't really get across everybody's personality. And that was something that was really interesting for me being at this event was like, it was like, these are people I know most of the people that are on this stage. Like I I've, I've seen these people for so many years, but it also felt like for the first time, like, Oh, like I'm hearing them speak and I'm hearing it directly from their mouth and I'm understanding what they're saying, but also how they're saying it. And it's like, it just feels so interesting to like get their personality along with what they're saying. And it's like, I don't know. There's just something very dry about just reading like translations of things and then actually hearing it directly from them. It's very different. And yeah, Tetsuya Nomura, like a lot of times in interviews, he comes off very like he does come off very dry but almost like robotic whereas when i was hearing him in person speaking naturally in japanese without without a translator without having to wait for somebody to translate for him like his dryness is there but it's kind of like the best way i could describe it is like a british person like a british person's dryness like it's sarcastic it's hilarious like it's not the kind of dryness of like he has no personality no there's personality there that's his personality and it's funny but it doesn't come across so easily in like that's something that gets kind of lost in translation when he's more comfortable because yeah he's he's a lot more comfortable when you because when you because tomorrow speaks tomorrow exactly and then like when there's definitely a lot of that i'll tell you that much yeah, but then when when a translator has to translate him, he has to kind of like change it to be more of less of Nomura, more formal yeah. for the translator to translate and repeat it back to the person. So exactly, he, then, you know that makes it more awkward for him. So yeah, yeah. So it was really interesting to get like a more authentic version of Nomura and get like I finally felt like I got a better understanding of who he was and it was really interesting and very funny and actually what was really funny was listening to uh Miyu Irino talk to Nomura like that was they had some really funny banter like they were talking about uh so Yokoshima Nomura was asking uh uh Irino-san he was asking him about his experience recording Kingdom Hearts all those years ago and so he was talking about, oh, yeah, so when I was first recording for King, for Kingdom Hearts as Sora, I was in my second year of junior high school, you know, so that he would have been about 14 years old. So that would have been about eighth grade. And he was like, yeah, actually, I don't really remember that much from recording Kingdom Hearts 1. I just remember it was a lot of fun. 
and then and then they turn to Nomura and he's like, Nomura, what do you remember of of Idinosan? He's like, I don't really remember anything from him, but you know, I just remember he was a kid. <laughs> it's just yeah. like it was hilarious. He's just like, oh yeah. Well, I just remember you were the boss. It's like, oh man, it was hilarious. Like he was really dry and sarcastic. Oh man, I love it. But uh, yeah, so that part was fun. So yeah, later on he he was like basically talking about like all right so we're gonna get to this part where now you all y'all need to like put away your smartphones don't don't record this this that and the other you know you know what's coming you know he was gonna show a video and he was basically uh prefacing this that okay so this is not a trailer there is gonna be a trailer but this is not what that is this is gonna be something different this is just for the concert and basically uh, what that video ended up being, which uh, I'm sure many of you seen the reports, it was basically a lot of features that would be included uh, in uh, Kingdom Hearts Remind of some extra side stuff that is, uh, you know, uh, interesting. So the first uh, thing that they showed was this photo mode that the best way I could describe it, and some people kind of like made this connection already, but I would agree with it, is if you've ever seen Gary's Mod... Half-Life 2 Gary's mod where you can like pretty much add any character you want, pose them however you, well, let me be clear. You can pose them however you want, but it's more like there's a bunch of preset poses. Kind of like, you know how in um, what they have now for Kingdom Hearts with the, uh, with the s- smartphone and the selfie yeah. cam and you can choose different poses for Sora. It's kind of like that, but there's like an actual, there's a menu and you go through the menu and you pick the pose you want and you can pose the care, what, whichever character you want, however you want, you know, with the poses that they have angle them, however you want, put them anywhere you want in the scene and, you know, snap a photo. And, uh, it, it's really, it's really neat. And they showed a lot of different, scenes that you could create with this like uh there was a scene where Sora was surrounded by a bunch of those pudding heartless and was really cute and uh a lot of the a lot of them demonstrating this all occurred on Destiny Islands like the main island and yeah it was really nice to actually see that like live like oh it's Kingdom Hearts 1's island it's been so long um, in addition to that, there was this, there was a few sh- shots that they did in, uh, Twilight Town in the main square of Twilight Town of like Xehanort, Master Xehanort, ball guy with some nobodies dancing. It was pretty hilarious. <laughs> and I can't wait to see, to get that. <laughs> yeah, that one's great. And yeah, you could, yeah, it, it definitely felt like, yeah, you could pretty much do anything you want. Like this is definitely like this thing is when I saw it, I was just thinking, like, this is going to make so many memes. Like, this is going to be the meme machine for a long time. And, yeah, I, I definitely feel like this is going to be a feature that is it's going to be big and it's going to be a big part of the series going forward. I well, just feel Well, you remember, you know, it's still part of Nomura taking shots at 15 because, remember, you can do it with 15 minus yeah. the, you know, preset poses. Yeah. You know. So basically, basically, what Nomura did was took what fifteen had and made it even better. Oh yeah, this is this is way more customizable and has way more features than anything in fifteen. Yeah, this is like a really robust thing where you can pretty much do anything with. You have access to so much, like Heartless, 
main characters, whatever. Uh, they even recreated in Twilight Town, they recreated the scene where Axel was going after Shion in, in 358 over 2. Like, they recreated that in the photo mode. So, like, you can you can do pretty much whatever you want with the, with the photo mode, it seems. And then, then they went on to say, like, oh, there's a slideshow feature that you can make a slideshow of all your photos. And then you can choose... Uh, different Kingdom Hearts songs that you want to put in the background as it's like going through your slideshow. So I, I don't know how big that'll be, but th- that's a thing you can do. So uh, after that, then they showed this uh, more gameplay oriented stuff with the fast pass mode and then the black code mode. And basically fast pass and black code, they're kind of like two halves of the same concept. Th- they're basically all these uh, like either buffs or debuffs that you can add to Sora that you can either make the game easier or make it harder. So in fast pass mode, you can do things like you can give yourself really fast uh, reaction commands or like you, you can make those commands pop off a lot quicker, basically. Or, yeah. y- y- you know, like or HP, like really high, you know, all that, all that stuff you would expect a cheat mode to give you. That's basically what fast pass mode is. It's a bunch of cheats that make you stronger. Whereas in black code mode, it's the opposite. It's a bunch of cheats that make you weaker. So you can disable the items. You can disable magic. You can disable this, that, the other. You can make the enemy stronger. You can make them Those more are the aggressive. ones I want the challenge. Exactly. Like this is definitely like a challenge style mode. And I didn't quite like. I don't quite remember exactly what they talked about with this, but there are missions associated with these modes. Uh, one part of the sh- of the video, they were in Olympus Coliseum, or not Olympus Coliseum, but just Mount Olympus. It was in that area. Um, it's like right when you get to like the top of Mount Olympus, and that there's that first area that has like the fountain in the middle of it, like. Oh actual Mount Olympus is like the gold area with all the clouds. So it was in that area and you were fighting a bunch of like preset heartless. And there was a counter in the top right that we're basically counting off. I guess how many heartless you're killing. I don't know. There's missions associated with it basically. So it's not just, you know, make the difficulty for no reason. Like there, there, there seems to be missions associated with it as well. So yeah, so that that's pretty much, the main gist of what was in the video that we saw it was it wasn't much it just seems like this is stuff that they want to show but they just don't have any room to show it in their like proper trailer i don't know if they'll ever release that video it's i mean there really wasn't that much to it like they haven't in the past so they're they're not gonna do it now exactly and on top of that uh oh yeah there was uh there was another scene where you got where um they were fighting uh, marshmallow and it was during the black code mode demonstration and basically they made marshmallow really strong and sora really weak and the only highlight i can remember from that other than like yeah marshmallow was really strong and it took a long time to really get far in that battle and they had to use a koopa coin to survive um the only highlight i remember from that was uh uh miyu irino he kept commenting on man when uh, you're fighting in this black code mode, you get to hear a lot of my battle quotes. <laughs> he's like, ha, ha. and he's like t- talking about how 
how he records his battle quotes and he's like, oh yeah, it's just like Taheya, Taheya, or something like that. Like it's real basic and like I don't know, everybody got a big laugh out of that. So yeah, that was pretty much it for that video. So yeah, let's talk about the trailer. So the trailer uh somehow released way early. I'm guessing this is probably originally intended for the state of play uh play, PlayStation State of Play live stream. Yeah, which was on Tuesday at six in the morning, like Pacific time. Yeah, and and it, this is really weird because like normally Square Enix does not upload trailers until like yeah. it happens on stream or happens at a yeah event. But like for some reason, this trailer went up on Friday. Yeah, you know Friday evening. Yep. randomly unlisted too. It was yep. uploaded and unlisted. That's so the problem somebody... is don't set it to unlisted. Set it to private. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but, you know, and then once it started to hit the rounds on social media, it's over. Everybody already yep. saw it. It's like once it's, it's out, it's out. Uploading. So. Yeah, so it's it's out there. It's not difficult to find if you're looking for it, but I'm assuming by the time this goes live, State of Play may have already gone on, so, you know, this might be a moot point. But, hey, I'm happy, you know, we got to see it, and now we can talk about it. Uh, you know, and react to it in a timely fashion after it'll properly release. So I guess the main important information that we need to get out of the way right now is uh, the release dates. So as far as we know from the release dates, which were featured in the description of the video, uh, it seems like the PlayStation 4 version will be releasing on January 23rd, 2020. So not too far and kind of kind of where we expected, Churro. But the only thing that's a little bit odd about it is that it, as far as what we can tell, January 23rd, that's a Thursday. So uh, not 100% on that date, because usually Thursdays are a little bit off, but apparently that's that's what they had. So that's what we're putting. But I would say keep an eye out for State of Play. We don't know if those dates change at all. Uh, but yeah, as, as far as we know, PlayStation 4 version, January 23rd. Xbox One version... February 25th, 2020. So it seems like, regardless of anything, it seems like they do intend to have a about a month exclusivity on PlayStation 4. So that's Which makes sense if they're yeah. showing it on the PlayStation State of Play. Yeah, yeah, it does make sense. So, uh, yeah, it sucks for people that play primarily on Xbox, but uh, hopefully uh, you can uh, hold out until then. Uh, but yeah, let's let's talk about the the brief synopsis that was uh, in the description of the video. So remind the other tale that unfolded during the climax of Kingdom Hearts three. Determined to rescue Kyrie, Sora travels to the Keyblade Graveyard a short time before the final battle was to take place. Lacking a corporeal form, he traces the hearts of the seven guardians of light. Through experiencing their personal battles firsthand, Sora is about to discover truths that he has never before imagined. So, yeah, really awesome. And I'm glad they posted this uh, particular description because it actually makes the trailer make a lot more sense. Because right. there's aspects of this a description that you do not get from just watching the trailer. So, well, I mean, it's like that with the series in general. Yeah, it's you always you like that. You might not get it. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. So let's uh, let's start talk breaking down this trailer. So first things first. One of the big highlights of the trailer, right from the get go, Final Fantasy characters are back. 
Yes. <sighs> so awesome to see. I, I'm I'm so happy that they're back. We had heard uh, back, uh, I think it was in the Ultimania, that uh, they actually had some of these characters already modeled, like Squall, for example. They'd already modeled him, but they just didn't have any room to put them in anywhere. So it's 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 great to hear that, okay, now they have an opportunity to uh, have Squall in there. So, yeah, so we got to see Aerith, Yuffie, and Squall. They're in Merlin's uh, uh, house uh you know as as they were back in kingdom hearts 2 you know they're the rescue committee after all so or, or uh, not the rescue committee the uh restoration committee yeah so uh basically riku's going there to uh consult with them about sora's whereabouts to see if they've if they've heard anything or seen anything cuz so far as far as riku's saying they've had no clues at all looking for him and basically Aerith remarks that, you know, they haven't seen him, but, you know, since they still remember him, he's probably still around because, and, and that makes uh reference to Kingdom Hearts 2, where uh, when Kingdom Hearts 2, uh, Sora was gone for, for that long and in Chain of Memories, you know, all of the memories connected to Sora were jumbled up. Everybody forgot. Sora for for a while and then when his memories were restored and Sora returned that's when they all started remembering him all at once so uh you know Aerith makes the remark that oh yeah he must still be around and as far as we know yeah he is he is still around in the realm of light during this he just doesn't have a body (laughs) that's the that's the issue so um so yeah next uh next scene is we've got uh oh actually before we get to that Charo what do you think about how Aerith, Yuffie and Squall look in you know in in their current versions That's quite the glow up Yeah right <laughs> like they look perfect Like yeah, everything I mean, about and, them looks and, right and, and and the fun the nice thing is is that they don't look too real like yeah. in like 7 remake real Exactly but they still look good enough in terms of like how they fit in the Kingdom Hearts, exactly. Universe. Like they they look exactly as you would expect them to look, you know, Kingdom Hearts wise. It, it, it's and it's, it has a perfect blend of realism with like Disney ish. Exactly, okay. exactly. And actually, it's kind of it's kind of interesting, especially like looking at like like Aerith, for example, where we have an example of what she looks like in uh, in Seven Remake, right? So we get to see her in a more like. I want to say like this, like this particular Aerith, the way she looks here, looks more like she did back in Final Fantasy VII, like because yeah. it's more stylized. So it's interesting to see what that art style looks like now in Unreal Engine Four. And you know, obviously Yuffie looks great, and you know, Squall and uh, Squall also looks awesome. I love Squall. I also love. You know, seeing his his fluffy jacket because his fluffy jacket it just looks so so nice now. You know, in this higher res thing, I would say Squall is the same thing. It's really nice to see him, you know, in this HD style, and then actually like looking like Squall. Like they look like Final Fantasy characters, but you know, there's still that Kingdom Hearts tint. I think the the only thing that's kind of uh, interesting to know is, um, you know. Both Yuffie and Aerith, they're still in their Kingdom Hearts 2 outfits, so they haven't gotten any new outfits. They definitely feel like they're the same, 
you know, they're pretty much in the same part of their life as they were at the end of Kingdom Hearts 2. And it's just interesting with Yuffie because, like, her her outfit is based on what she looked like in Advent Children. So it's like, it's almost like, man, that's kind of old, right? <laughs> right. It makes me think, though, Churro, do you think there's any chance for Cloud or Sephiroth to appear at all in, in Remind? I mean, these guys are here. Do you think there's any room for Cloud and Sephiroth? It depends if if you can explore Hollow, you know, Radiant, Radiant Garden. Yeah, it's... That, that that's a good point like i wonder if we're gonna get a chance to explore radiant garden i mean they're at the very least they created a new environment in in radiant garden but that's i mean we didn't get as, as far as we know so far there hasn't been any gameplay in radiant garden so yeah unfortunately it's hard to say for the moment but yeah there's really nothing about this that uh indicates that we'll be exploring it but yeah, hopefully uh, we'll get a chance to soon. If not in this game, maybe in a future one. But uh, yeah. So so that covers uh, the Final Fantasy characters. So the next shot is really interesting. We got a shot of the Dark Inferno, which is the uh, that boss, the secret boss from Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh, uh, there, there's... Yeah, so basically, from what I can tell in the trailer, so Sora's like looking at Ventus's station of awakening yeah and then there's this like darkness that forms and then swallows him up and then after he's been swallowed up the dark inferno appears now it's unclear if this is actually dark inferno or if this is just a similar boss to dark inferno and it has a different name like we don't know exactly what this is but at the very least it's got the same design as Dark Inferno it just has a different coloring to it and i like it i think it looks cool yeah i i wonder how this all connects uh, like there's unfortunately there's really not enough context uh the only thing we can say for sure is uh in the Dark Inferno scene if you look in the distance you can see the uh spire the um it's like that 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 rock tower that Xehanort made when he uh, raised up all of the uh, the organization members together uh, during that one cutscene after uh, they after basically Yen Sid allowed the the Warriors of Light to go through uh, he made that dark rock spire appear out of the ground and you can see that in the distance so I guess that kind of places you know timeline wise okay so this is after you know, all the guys go into this kind of severance. So Sora is here at this point. Uh, after that, we do get to see um, uh, basically what Aqua sees in her final moments. And she, at least h- how I would interpret it is like, so she's looking at the uh, the heartless tornado, but the way she sees it is she sees a bunch of these dark, like anti-Aquas rushing towards her and i just think this scene looks so cool because like like one giant like ptsd for her yeah and it's just so amazing that they were able to get all those aquas (laughs) and like i don't know it just looks it looks good they remade the heartless tornado but they replaced all the heartless with uh with aquas and it looks great (laughs) like they did a great job on it so I'm I'm interested to see how that plays out like gameplay wise. Like how is that gonna work? Like 
I'm guessing so the way it, it's described in the in the synopsis, it basically says that so Sora is tracing the hearts of each of the uh, of the warriors of light and basically he's going to experience their battles firsthand. So I'm assuming during this fight we'll be playing as Aqua. So Aqua will most likely be alone and we'll be playing as Aqua, I'm guessing. And we're we're kind of tipped off to that cuz Sora is he's like in a ghostly form, like he's this he's got glowing light all around him. So that kind of indicates to you that yeah, that Sora is not a He's not actually there. But in in other scenes, it's interesting because not Sora isn't glowing like that in every single scene. Like in the very next scene where he's fighting against uh uh Terra Xehanort, he's not glowing like that. So in some scenes, I'm guessing they're seeing him and they're actually fighting Sora specifically. But in other scenes, he's like tracing the hearts of his friends. So you know, unfortunately, we don't have an, enough context to really understand what's going on exactly. But you know, we can see that there's a, there's a lot of uh, interesting elements to this. So yeah, moving on from there, we have uh, the Warriors of Light fighting against a bunch of those uh, armored organization members, and this is uh, seems to be occurring at the exact same time where Sora is fighting Master Xehanort. Ball guy Master Xehanort. And what's really interesting is the fact that it seems like... So this is fully playable, and it seems like the command menu, it's actually really simplified. There's only two attacks on there at a time. They keep changing, but uh, based on what happens in in the battle, but your attacks are controlling basically all of the warriors of light together so basically when you're fighting you're controlling all the warriors of light at once and occasionally you'll have reaction commands to do different things during the battle so it's really interesting churro how do you feel about this battle where it seems like we're controlling all of the guardians of light together how do you feel like uh, like are you interested in, in playing this or do you feel like maybe there's not enough control since it doesn't seem like you control the movement of these characters to me, it seems wild and crazy because it's yeah. like you know they're 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 probably trying to prevent um, those clones from actually reaching Kingdom Hearts because I think I think that uh, after Sora defeats them, you know, in the you know before facing Xehanort, you know, I think Xehanort either summoned them outside or he's trying to resummon them again, and they were yeah. just trying to like prevent it from happening, but. Going with the battle itself, it seems to me it seems hectic, but in a good way. Yeah, because yeah, like because you're you're controlling everybody. Yeah, all the guardians of light. So you finally get to have that moment where the rest of the guardians of light are fighting, you know, side by side together as one. And I I, I like it. I can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see like you know more of this type of fight as you know time goes on. Yeah, I'll definitely recommend for anybody watching the trailer. Definitely like go to that trailer. And give a good look to the background and specifically the clouds. Those clouds are so sexy. Those are the they are beautiful clouds. Those clouds, by the way, they actually hired uh, a guy specifically just to make clouds for Kingdom Hearts 3. Like, I, I don't know if you remember, Churro. Remember back to 0.2 during the ending of 0.2 when Aqua is like on the beach of Destiny Islands and she's like fading away. And you know that part where it goes from nighttime to daytime and then they have this like random like stock footage video that has like a filter over it that like 
it's like the this time lapse video of clouds like it's yeah. very obvious that that cloud video was literally live action footage that they went outside and shot and it like looks kind of bad so after 0.2 they hired this guy that worked at ea like this is a foreign guy they, they hired this guy he worked at square Enix for about a year and he actually one of the things he was involved in other than being a lighting artist was he actually made real-time like cg quality cloud tech for kingdom hearts 3 and this is a guy he worked on star wars battlefront 2 star wars battlefront 1 and don't ask me how i know this but that that's that is the case this is all public knowledge by the way don't worry but <laughs> it's uh it's really interesting and like and hey just look at it that's all i can say just look at it that's some beautiful clouds so i'm just man every time i look at this i'm just like man that guy thank you I think he's from Sweden. He doesn't work at Square Enix anymore, by the way. So moving on from there, uh, you have a quick shot of uh, Luke Sword and uh, Bragg, and he's basically like, oh, why is that box so important now? I'm assuming he's referring to Pandora's box. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, so then uh, next interesting shot. I haven't seen too many people talk about it, even though he's such a prominent character or a prominent character within the conspiracy theory community is Demix. So Demix pops up for a little bit in front of Riku and he's basically like, oh, I didn't think you'd still be here. And Riku's standing in front of the uh, replica body and like, it's unclear what's going to happen here, but Riku does pull out his keyblade and he's like, you're a part of the organization. He's like freaking out. But as far as we know and as far as Demix's body language indicates he's not there to cause any problems and as far as we knew at this time of the story he was he was playing nice and he was he was just trying to get the body uh to Ansem Seeker of Dark or not Seeker of Darkness to Ansem the Wise uh so he can restore Namine like that was kind of the you know that was kind of the goal there so I don't I don't think he's there to cause problems but I guess if there was ever an excuse to fight Demix, maybe this misunderstanding is the perfect opportunity, and you get to. Or maybe Nomar wants to throw a wrench. Yeah. For for everybody to cause suspicion that he might be the master of masters. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a possibility there. Like he's been holding off on him on purpose, right? So. Right. There, there's something there. Yeah, he's not even in, like in Union Cross yet, so he's. Yeah. Like, Right? I think the the only one that hasn't been like a be revealed besides Luke Sword. So, so there's a there's some interesting stuff there, definitely. Uh, so after that, then we get def- a lot of quick shots of I'm I'm I think this is called the limit cut mode, which is the mode where you get to do a lot of data battles, and uh, basically it shows a lot of boss fights with various different organization. Uh, members. So we've got characters like uh, uh, Larkscene and Ansem Seeker of Darkness and Zemnis and uh, Dark uh, Dark Riku. So lots of lots of great characters there and a lot of cool battles. And you know everybody's talking about the laser the laser scene coming back for Zemnis. <laughs> Just get insane. ready. That was crazy. I was yeah. like, oh my god! It looks so Can't beautiful. This is happening. 
I will just say real quick that uh that laser shot, man, I love the lens flares. Like if you're if you're watching the trailer, go back and watch look at those look at the lens flares on the lasers. They are gorgeous. So yeah, moving on from there, we get to see Sora uh as I'm assuming he's still tracing the hearts of his friends. And it, he's like using the power of waking. He jumps up from the, his own station of awakening and he's like floating in front of Riku's station of awakening. And he uses his power, I guess the power of waking. And then he starts going glowy and then he like gets absorbed into it, I guess. Then after that, all the Sora and Kairi fangirls and fanboys out there squee in, 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 in gladness because we get to see them standing in the final world holding hands oh my god it's so cute Hmm. i'm so happy like i just gotta say churro one of this one of the dlc's like main goals has to be you gotta make it right for the sora and kairi fans or you you have to make it better than what it was because they we got gypped at the end of Kingdom Hearts 3. We got it real hard at the end of Kingdom Hearts 3. We need something more. And it seems like this DLC is kind of trying to coax us and being like, hey, if you buy this DLC, we'll give you a little more Sora and Kairi. So, and and, and not just that, Churro. Playable Kairi. Playable Kairi. About time, exactly. And she's got this crazy special light attack that she's like flying around and lasers and man, it looks gorgeous. And uh, yeah, at her side is Sora. Sora is uh, in that fight. He's uh, a supporting party member. He's in the menu. So that's really exciting. Churro, how do you feel about all this Kyrie love in, in, in Remind? It seems like there's just so much in Remind already. Like, how do you feel about all all of that? On top of that, we get playable Kyrie as well. That's crazy. What, what do you feel about it? And like I said a minute, a moment ago, it's about time because, you know, Kyrie's been, you know, training with, you know, Axel to, you know, for the purpose of, you know, for this battle. Yeah, and, and not- we barely saw her. Yeah, so now that she's given time to fight, but not only fight by, you know, you know, on, she's not fighting alone, you know, Sora's, you know, the as a party member. So, you know, the, it, Sora always says that Kari gives, you know, him strength. So I'm hopefully, you know, seeing that quick, you know, shot lock that she performed, you know, was like something that hopefully she learned, you know, while training with Axel. You know, but it, it, it's, it's, I'm happy. Yeah. Because it's you know, exciting. One, of, it looks one great. of the biggest things that people used to make fun of Kyrie was that her, she wasn't useful. She was useless. She was yeah. you know, just a Mary Sue or a damsel in distress. Now, yeah, it's now like, she's proving herself. Now it's proving herself, especially against, you know, one of, you know, Master Zaynor's, you know, clones or whatever you refer him as. Exactly. So, so. that's, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, it's exciting. I I love Kyrie. I think it's exciting to see what she does. I'm really glad that the guy that she's fighting is Master Xehanort cuz man, Master Xehanort did her dirty. So I'm glad that uh the guy at least one fight that she's going to have. We don't know we don't know the full extent of what she's going to do during Remind, but we do know that she is going to fight Master uh Xehanort here, so 
That's really exciting. And then, uh, yeah, a little bit after that, we get a shot of uh, Axel and Shion and Roxas, and they're all fighting, I'm guessing, against uh, a a Psyx here. So, well, they actually don't show who they're fighting, but I'm assuming it's Psyx. It's pretty much is, because we've seen the other... The trailers, okay, yeah, so, yeah, I guess it's probably just a part of their fight with Psyx, and what's really interesting is, at at one point in the shot, like, their hearts start glowing? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's unclear what that means. The only thing I could think of, Churro, is that maybe that's a sign that Sora is controlling them, or, or involved, or present, like I don't want to say that Sora's the one in control no, maybe, because that kind of diminishes their their strength a little bit. Because because remember their story always revolved around them having hearts. Exactly. You know? Okay. So maybe maybe, maybe that's just a sign of that they do have hearts. Yeah, because that was like the big thing for their story in in days. So I think yeah. that's just like a, you know, kind of like a symbolism there for them for their character arcs. Yeah, I can't wait to find more about what what that scene's going to be all about. And then there's this cryptic scene in the uh, in Land of Departure in the uh, main like throne room of Riku and Aqua. And Aqua's like, you know, she's apparently going to go off and do something. And then she's basically like, oh, well, or Riku's like, you know, are you sure you want to be doing this? And Aqua's like, oh, yeah, don't worry. This time I'm not going to be alone. My guess is that it might involve her having to travel back into the realm of darkness for some reason. I don't to know. For Sora. They're, they're basically looking for Sora. Yeah, so, most likely. You know, I'm pretty sure the, she's going to bring, you know, Riku and probably King Mickey because they were the three of them explored that the longest. Yeah. So, you know, that that would make sense. And yeah, I, I can definitely see like, man, like I, I would feel bad for Aqua having to do this, but it's really, you know, reassuring to see that, you know, she's in good spirits and she knows that this time she's not going there alone. So I think that's a good thing. I don't think it's going to end bad for Aqua in this situation. I think, you know, she's going to be, you know, I I think she'll be fine. I don't know about Riku because we know where he ends up, but uh, at least for Aqua, I think she'll probably be fine for the time being. And then, yeah, final uh, final shot of the trailer, the big one, uh, the one everybody's talking about. Sora is in a, I'm assuming, a dark version of the final world, and he's, like, shouting out into the distance. He's all alone. He, like, tries to hear for something, and it seems like he's heard, he hears so- someone say something, maybe. And then, you know, we got the f- the famous line at the end of the trailer of, uh, you know, same line as at the beginning of uh, of Kingdom Hearts 1. So, and it's repeated back by none other than Yozora. So I've been yeah. having, I've been having weird thoughts lately. Like, is any of this for real or not? And it's just like, oh man. I, so I can cool. only imagine Sora running because he thinks he sees Riku. Yeah. <laughs> if anything. that I, I bet you for sure that's gonna be a thing no question because if anything like if you look at this version of Yozora that's at the end of this trailer like I would say this character model even more than what we saw in uh in the secret endings even more than that I would say this in-game version of him even looks more like Riku yeah like it's not exactly Riku but it 
man, he looks a lot like Rico, especially, you know, if you look at the shot that's in the trailer itself, you know, at that distance that he's at away from Sora, he looks a ton like Riku does now. So it's really interesting. Churro, I'm just going to say it. I think just like with every other final mix that we've ever had, you know, there's always the secret boss that is, you know, a preview character from a future game. I think this is the point where we (laughs) have that particular fight. That is my guess. That's, I I have to agree with you. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Because like. Little tease of what's going to happen. In terms of like this whole area, like I think it's a little, honestly, I'm going to be honest. I think it's a little bit of a cop out that they didn't decide to opt for going to Tokyo and have the fight there. I wish they would have had the fight in Tokyo, but I also do realize, yeah, going all the way to having to build that Tokyo level out would be very expensive but I'm just like, man, but did they have to make this area? Like this area is so simple. I mean, we don't know. We don't know what it'll end up being, but I mean, at least for like, well, I mean, if you think back like for uh Zeminus in kingdom hearts, final mix, they didn't make a new area for lingering. Will they did make a new area, but it was a simple area. It was just like a wasteland kind of area. I was kind of hoping we'd get something like that, but uh, at the very least, we have this, and it is a night sky that is very similar to this night sky that you see in Tokyo. I will say that the the starry night does look a little bit more well, realistic. What, well, you realize what Yazara means. Yeah, it does mean night sky. So it, it, it does perfectly fit. You are right. And I will say there is something interesting about that night sky is as Sora and Yozora are walking towards each other. There's a wide shot. And if you guys go there and look towards the sky, look towards that night sky, up into the clouds, the clouds begin to part and start to reveal a moon. Now, we, we've we talked about it in the past, and it's no secret. You know, Yozora is very, very, very much an allusion to Noctis. And very specifically, not just the Noctis that we know from Final Fantasy XV, but specifically Nomura's version of Noctis. And one of the big pieces of imagery that would come up in the Final Fantasy Versus Thirteen trailers that would feature, obviously, Noctis, is the moon. And there was this one really famous shot of Stella, and she was on the city streets of Insomnia, and then behind her, there was this massive white moon, and that was one of the key shots from the trailer. And I would definitely say, I don't know about you, Churro, but at least for me, when I look at this, this it gives me Versus 13 vibes, specifically Versus 13, not Final Fantasy 15, but Versus 13. And of course, remember, that was Nomura's baby for a while. Yeah. For seven years. That man worked on that game for seven years instead of working on Kingdom Hearts 3. Like, that's that's a big chunk of that man's life. And he gets kicked off of that game. Like, it's it's not it's not uh it's not, not gonna leave a big impact on him. And clearly, at least for me, my interpretation of it is that he's he he's had all these pent-up emotions and pent-up ideas about what he wanted that project to be and you know kingdom hearts is it seems like it's the perfect vessel for those ideas to express those things that he had that he wished he could have expressed basically kingdom hearts is the avenue for sora for sora for tetsuya Nomura to unleash the sneeze 
You know, it's like <laughs> if you've ever had a sneeze, but it doesn't come out. That's kind of how what I feel like Nomura must feel like. It's like it's like I have a sneeze and I can't sneeze. Right. Basically, Kingdom Hearts is the pepper that will allow Tetsuya Nomura to finally sneeze. This is this is the pepper. Put that put that on our uh, put that on our Twitter. <laughs> put that put put that in the wiki for Kingdom Hearts Union. This is the sneeze, or this is the this is the pepper for the sneeze that is Final Fantasy Verse Thirteen. That's my guess. So yeah, that's that's pretty much the trailer, and uh, yeah, they uh, they basically say at the end of the trailer, uh, pre-order now, but you, we can't pre-order now, not now. I guess after the yeah. trailer releases, we don't even know how much this costs. Churro, how much do you think this DLC is gonna cost? I would say about twenty bucks. Like that's yeah. I think that's a common thing everybody's been saying, but uh, I have a feeling that it might be like a little bit more, <laughs> like yeah. twenty five. Yeah, I would definitely say that's probably the range. I, I, if I had to put like a, a like a a high high bet and a low bet on it, I would agree with you. I'd say twenty five is probably as high as it'll go, and I would say on a low end, maybe fifteen. I don't see it going any higher or lower than that. Because of man, course, because Squanix is an Atlas where they yeah. charge you know an enhanced version of the game full price. Yeah, with yeah, it's just like just looking at this, Churro. How long do you think this experience is? Because it just seems like it's a lot. Like this seems to me longer, and maybe you'll agree. This seems to me like this is a bigger thing than what zero point two was. Like I, th- I, I mean, zero point two was like how long? About about four hours. hours. Like. I would say this is about like between eight to ten hours. That's yeah. It it looks like a lot of content. Like I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the story content might be like four hours. But man, that that would be a fast four hours. Because man, this just seems like so much. And then on top of that, like not only the story content, you have to consider all the other extra content. Like you got the limit cut mode. Like how long is that going to take us to beat? Like that seems like it's probably going to be pretty hard. And then you've got the photo mode and all the stuff that I saw at the the concert, all that like the like that's the stuff that they add in to add like you know, you might say it's like filler, but you have to consider like once all is said and done, once we finish the story, what are you gonna go back to and play? It's gonna be this stuff. It's the challenge modes and all the extra missions and all that stuff. Like, you know, there's a lot of content here, so like yeah, I'm really excited to see where this goes, and I hope that you know f- for fans of the series that they come out and really support this because like you know there seems like this definitely seems to me like this content feels worth it, whatever it is. Like this seems like the kind of content like that we're needing. You know, it's more story content. It's elaborating on stuff we've seen before, but it's also pushing the series forward. So. Like everything about it seems really exciting, so I'm hyped. We're hyped. Can't wait. So that's gonna be next year for us. Yeah, no, I are you gonna set aside like a day to or two to play it? Yeah, I'm I mean, since it's DLC, I, I'm not gonna like go as crazy as I did for Kingdom Hearts three where I actually like took days off. Like I'm not gonna do that, but I'm assuming that weekend is basically just gonna be a Kingdom Hearts remind weekend. Like I'm pretty much set that that's going to be the case and uh yeah once 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 this trailer goes up and the release date is you know yeah set in stone set in stone i'm going to request it off because i'm going to do i'm going to stream it 
<laughs> that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, that'll be pretty popular for most people, I'm assuming. Well, I mean, you're gonna. I mean, are you gonna bring back the deep dive stream for it? We'll see. Like, it depends on how much time I have. But yeah, I, I could see that being a possibility. But uh, it all depends on what I'm doing at that time and how busy I am. But we'll we'll, we'll see. That that's a possibility. If not a deep dive stream, maybe. Maybe it'll be a YouTube video. Maybe instead of uh, doing it live, maybe I'll do it as a pre-recorded thing. Uh, you know, just thinking about what we could do for that. But uh, we'll see. So yeah, that's that's, that's pretty much the news. Let's move on to our uh, our question segment. So this first question comes from. Let me get this. The first question comes from Rachel Coleman. So Rachel Coleman asks, so I don't know if you'll answer this, but with the reveal of Final Fantasy characters in the Remind DLC, I got really excited. Do you think they'll have a more prominent role in the storyline of the DLC, or do you think Nomura will, uh, or do you think it's just Nomura acknowledging that people were sad they weren't in the main game, and he wanted to put them in the game briefly? Do you think Sephiroth, do you think a Sephiroth fight will be back? Do you think they'll add Final Fantasy characters they haven't had before? I'm specifically thinking about Renoa since they teased her in the Kingdom Hearts 2 credit sequence. Literally, all I want is for her to reunite with Leon and he decides to go back to being Squall again. But I guess they could bring in newer characters like Lightning or the Chocobros. Although, I think Nomura might not want to give, want to given how he was removed from their project. Um, to answer the first question, I think it's you know a combination. It could be a combination of both the fan, what the fans wanted, and what the his dev team wanted. Yeah, you know, because because I think that you know laying down the groundwork of a story, you know, you know, I'm sure Nomura had them in mind. Yeah, despite him saying that he didn't, but like I, because because normally what Nomura mentioned was that. If you go back to Kingdom Hearts 2 interview with Final Mix version, that he had all these ideas that couldn't fit, as well as, you know, space issues back yeah. at the time. And then when Final Mix came out, he was able to add in, you know, see how much space he had to get all that in. So now this yep. is the same thing. So it's like, you know, let's lay down what we have here, and then, you know, we can always add everything later. So I think that's pretty much what he wanted to go for in the beginning, because... I think deep down tomorrow just wanted this game to be out because fans were tired of waiting. So yeah, for sure. Uh, and I, then to answer, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll just say real quick on, on that, like in terms okay. of how important they might be or not be, I'm personally just going to take the route of, I'm going to keep my expectations low. Like I'm going to assume yeah. that they're not going to be that important, but I hope that they are. I hope that he does not just throw them in just to appease the fans. I hope he does have a like a specific reason for them, hopefully involving Cloud and Sephiroth, but we don't know exactly. But I'm going to I would say the safe thing to do is to keep your expectations low cuz clearly they like if they if they really were that important, they would have been in Kingdom Hearts 3. So, yeah. that's that's how I'm going to take it. And then as your next question Sephiroth I it just really depends on what they do actually do with these characters because right now it just seems that that Riku is just visiting them for any advice or any yeah. guidance towards a clue to find Sora because you know Sora connected with them you know 
Yeah, I don't so see like, I don't see fighting Sephiroth for any reason, you know, leading to finding Sora. Like I don't I don't see that. The only slight thing, but I don't think that these Final Fantasy characters would have any idea about it is the what happens to to Cloud at the end of his fight and how he goes off to fight a quote-unquote great battle. Like I could see Tetsuya Nomura recontextualizing that now as maybe at that point Cloud went to a new world line. Like that that could potentially be a more modern version, a more modern explanation of what happened to Cloud at the end of that fight. Now, so that that's a Final Fantasy character doing something that Sora just did to escape the, you know, you know, he he escaped the current world line and went off to fight a battle and Sora did a similar thing but he basically sacrificed himself to to save Kairi. So there could be a connection there with Cloud and Sephiroth since they both went to the same place I'm assuming, but I don't think the current Final Fantasy characters are aware of what happened to Cloud specifically if Cloud is still gone, but I would say that's probably the only tie I could ever see or, or I could see right now is that maybe Cloud also did the same thing back at the back at the end of Kingdom Hearts 2 when he uh had his fight with uh Sephiroth, but yeah, really unclear. What do you think about the um Final Fantasy characters that we haven't seen before. Do you think we're going to get anybody new? No. Yeah, I, I don't think so don't either. I don't think so, because this is more focused on trying to find Sora. Yeah. Them trying to add new Final Fantasy characters for that is kind of... Yeah. Maybe stretching it too thin, because, yeah. you know, they wouldn't have any relevant... I mean, putting Final Fantasy, you know, new characters in would be really... There's no purpose, because that is, you know, their purpose is to give, you know, John yeah. Dot, you know... It doesn't. You know, it doesn't serve the purpose of finding Sora. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. If anything, that would be probably be reserved for the next game. If you know, if Nomura decides to put him in, but for now, they just brought him back because you know they have the strongest connection to Sora. Yeah. Based on you know him meeting them a few times. So. Yeah. The closest I could say of us getting a quote unquote new Final Fantasy character, and specifically the Chocobros, is anybody related to Yazora because. I don't think Noctis will ever be in a Kingdom Hearts game. And I think any quote-unquote representation of Noctis and the Chocobros is going to be Yozora and his friends. That's it. So if you ever want to see that, that's going to be that's going to be the representation. You can call you can basically consider them as Final Fantasy characters because I mean if you think about it, that's what they are in context of to- the Toy Story world. Verum Rex is basically like a Final Fantasy game, it's developed by Square Enix, even. So it's basically just Nomura's way of putting in, you know, the stuff he wanted from Versus. Exactly. Without actually being Versus. So I would say I'll take that as my dose of Final Fantasy. I consider Ver- Verum Rex to be Final Fantasy characters, in my opinion. So I, I think we can take it as that. And uh, Churro, if you could take this last question. This is from Luis Acosta. And they write, this past decade gave us Breath by Sleep, Dream Drop Distance, and Breath by Sleep 0.2, Unchained Union Cross, Back Cover, and all the, all the HD remixes in Kingdom Hearts 3, of course. What are your hopes for the next year and decade of Kingdom Hearts? So, I, I guess for me, like, next, I mean, obviously for the next year, we have a very clear vision of what we're going to be getting with, with Remind, and then with at the end of Remind, we're going to have a better idea of what 
the series is going to be like going forward. Uh, so I, I have a, I have a few hopes that I, I would like uh, for the next decade, and I guess for me is like, like uh, so. So I guess my conservative hope for the series is I want a strong, clear, and bold vision for what the future of the series is going to be. I want something new. You know, I want it. I want the series to go in new directions. I want it to try new things. I want it to go somewhere where it hasn't been before. So that's, I would consider that a fairly conservative hope, even though it it is about being bold and about being different. And the reason I say it's conservative is because we already see with the secret ending of Kingdom Hearts 3, with everything that we're seeing about Remind, we already see that. We already see that that's happening. I just want to know what that is. And I think with the next year that's that's what my hope is is i want to know what that vision is and i hope that it's something that goes new places and does new things and does all that so that's that's my hope for the next year but for the next decade and this is this is a hope i've been wanting for a very very long time for the kingdom hearts series but and, and this is a, a definitely more of a uh, quote unquote a risky bet let's say the last one was a safe bet this is a risky bet what I want as a risky bet is I want a new entry point for the Kingdom Hearts series. I want there to be a game released in the next 10 years. I want there to be a game that that releases in the Kingdom Hearts series that is amazing that I can tell people if they ask me that are not familiar with the series, I want to be able to I want them to ask me if they ask me, can I start here? Can this be the first Kingdom Hearts game that I play? I want to be in, be able to answer unequivocally yes. And I want to also, if they ask me, do I have to play the games before? I want to be able to say unequivocally, no, you do not have to play the prior games. But after you play this new entry point, if you want to go back and play those games, absolutely, you'll get more out of it. But at the end of the day, I want a new game that releases within the next 10 years that someone brand new to the series can start right there. They don't have to play any game in the past. They can just start right there with no context and fully enjoy it 100%. Now that I think is a very big hope for the series, but I think it's not an unreasonable hope. I think it is a perfectly reasonable hope because the Kingdom Hearts series and I'm sure you can agree with me, Churro, is very difficult to explain to people that aren't used to it, that don't know about it. This is a very dense series. You know, we're so far 10 mainline entries in, and it's only getting deeper. I want there to be a game somewhere, hopefully within the next 10 years, that releases that I can unquestionably say, if you want to start kingdom hearts start there look no further if you decide to go deeper into the series we'll welcome you with open arms but this is where you should start the yakuza series has that it's called the yakuza zero it completely replaces yakuza one as being the perfect starting point for the series like that that is a it's a feat and it's not easy but it's something that i hope for the series that's something i want for the series so what about for you, Chara? What do you want in the next year? And then what do you want in the next decade for Kingdom Hearts? Uh, I, for the, within, you know, the next year, at least some information coming from, you know, what's next for Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. 
and then the next decade, I would rather I want to say at least three or four more games. That's you know? I I really hope I really hope so. Because you know these waits are getting longer. Yep. You know, so it's like hopefully with Nomura, you know, finding his niche this time, you know, and Square Enix not being so overly dependent on making their own engines now. Yeah. Yeah, that's you a know, big hopefully thing. Hopefully they can start churning out more games as often now that, you know, with especially with the release of, you know, the next gen consoles, you know, yep. hopefully developing on those consoles would be a lot easier. You yep. know, this time, you know, I have, Unreal uh, can Yeah, I have I have another idea, Churro, and this is this is another one of those uh, quote-unquote bold ideas, but I think it might be time, and it would be kind of interesting to see what this could mean for the series, but I wonder if it would be possible to add another development team to the Kingdom Hearts series. I think the Osaka team is amazing, and I love what they do, and I would want I, I do want them to keep going on with the series, but I wonder... If it would even be if it would be possible for another team to work on Kingdom Hearts as well, I mean it's not the it's I mean we've had it in the past with the mobile games. You know there was Jupiter for a long time, and there was Hand that worked on Recoded, and they also worked on Three Five Eight Over Two. But I wonder if it would be possible to have another team also working on Kingdom Hearts that is you know a console quality developer i wonder if that would be possible for the kingdom hearts series i mean i think personally it makes a lot of money and final fantasy has a ton of teams that work on it why not kingdom hearts what's one more team Uh, and if you think about it at one point that was the case back when kingdom hearts 2 was uh in development you know or especially with kingdom hearts 2 final mix you know you had the main tokyo team working on final mix and then you also had the osaka team working on chain of memories rechain of memories so why not again why not now why can't we have another team that works on kingdom hearts like if we had that then it could be possible to have more of these games released more often would it would it when when disney and pixar technically be considered as another team working on it i mean yeah they are they're they're consultants (laughs) at the end of the day unfortunately they don't they they do provide assets in that they provide, especially with Kingdom Hearts 3, they provided things like animation data and character models, but those were things that they had in the past. And apart from that, they're more like consultants. I'm thinking more like another team at Square actually making games uh, in the Kingdom Hearts series, which I guess technically you have the team that's working on uh, Union Cross. That's separate, but I, I'm hoping for if at all possible another console team working on kingdom hearts i think i think at this point at the scale of kingdom hearts with how much money it makes i think it's worth it it's not the first time that we've had it you know if you consider how the osaka team joined making kingdom hearts games so i think it's worth it and i think they should you know consider it and you know i think within the next 10 years especially if the Kingdom Hearts series continues to grow, I think it's only logical. Because at this point, you know, you said it yourself, Chura, like the, these, the wait between games is just getting longer and longer. So, you know, when it comes to development, it would be really nice if at all possible, if we could have 
another team working on it because you know if we had another team working on it then maybe we could have like a new console quality game every three years instead of every six years like right if you think about from right now 2019 it's still being 2019 six years from now is 2025 churro like it's gonna be really long until that time and i don't see a kingdom hearts 4 not taking that much time so i just think like it might be time since these games take so much time to make i think if hypothetically speaking if kingdom hearts games released more frequently and i'm saying not more frequently as in annually like big games annually i'm talking if they released like every three years like uh, three years is a long time if they released every three years i think they would still sell yeah but it it, you know it's not like you know, as long as they don't do yearly, no, like Call of Duty I would absolutely Assassin's- not want that. That would be way too much. Yeah. But you know, Assassin's Creed suffered from it too. Yeah, you know, that was so. way too much. So, I mean, but at the end of the day, that is like the idea of having multiple teams. That is the Call of Duty formula. The Call of Duty formula is that they have several teams working on Call of Duty all the time. And, you know, I think they currently have them down to a three-year development cycle, and they have three-year, three developers making Call of Duty all at once. So, basically, in tandem, as one game releases, you know, the next game that comes out next year has already been in development for two years, and and the game after that has already been in development for one year, and they just release in rotation. I I think it'd be kind of nice if... Maybe the Kingdom Hearts team, you know, if they got into a six, you know, if it takes six years to make them, you know, why not have two teams? I think it's reasonable. So it's I, reasonable, and you know, it just depends on Nomura. <laughs> yeah, it depends on Nomura. I I still think no matter what, Nomura is the head of all of this. I I think that Tetsuya Nomura has enough ideas that the the time that it takes to make a kingdom hearts game it 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 is it takes so long to make a kingdom hearts game that we cannot like capture enough of nomura's ideas i feel like his vision for the series i feel like his vision for kingdom hearts 3 was pretty much set in stone many years ago it's just that it took so long to make kingdom hearts 3 that's why it took so long it's not that it you know, it took him this long to think up what Kingdom Hearts was going to be. It took him this. It took them this long to make it because it's a big game. So that's just my ideas for it. I don't know. You know, we'll have to see. You know, these are just hopes that you know may never come. So you know, just an idea. And if anything, it would give you know maybe more variety to the series. And another thing, you know, something interesting that the uh, Call of Duty does that I think could be nice for the Kingdom Hearts team is, so uh, for Call of Duty, for a while there, they were having the, quote unquote, the Modern Warfare series, and then they would also have Black Ops. And those are technically separate series, but they're all under the Call of Duty banner. And okay, so for this year, we get a, you know, a Modern Warfare game, and for this year, we get a Black Ops game. Like, hypothetically speaking, if one team focused on Sora story and then another team focused on, you know, the side content like, you know, Master Xehanort, for example, or, you know, what have you, 
I think that would be kind of an interesting way to balance it out. Like you'll have one one team that focuses just on the main thrust of the story, and then you have the other team that sort of like fills in the gaps, so to speak. I think that could be an interesting way to handle that, but we'll see. We'll see what happens in the next ten years. It it all starts it all starts next month, Churro. Can you believe it? Right. I can't. Starts with Remind. Yep, starts with Remind, so we'll have to see where it goes from there. So, uh, anyway, so that covers up our, uh, our our question segment. For the music for this final episode, we have Always On My Mind. It's a piano cover by Fantasy Reborn. Always On My Mind is one of those songs that just does not get enough love. It is one of my favorite songs in the series. It's one of the last songs that plays in Kingdom Hearts 1, and I couldn't think of a better song to end off this year and this decade of Kingdom Hearts Union. And uh, our next episode is probably going to come out on the 14th of January. Not 100% on the schedule just yet, so uh, definitely keep an eye out on uh, Twitter and uh so we are by the way at kh union so just keep an eye out on twitter we'll let you know when the next episode will come out more precisely when we have those dates a little bit more set in stone but i think it'll probably be the 14th of january as always if you guys like the show please consider subscribing to final fantasy and kingdom hearts union on the itunes store just search for kingdom hearts and we're number one Oh yeah and of course you can catch every episode at kingdomheartsunion.com spotify or the Kingdom Hearts Union Twitter, which is at Union. Give us a follow. Absolutely. And remember, if you guys like the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ffkhunion. And if you have any questions, please send them to khuquestions at gmail.com. Also, just want to real quick, just take a moment to thank all the people that support us on Patreon. You know, it's thanks yeah. to you that we're able to, you know, do our show at the quality that we do it at. And we are greatly appreciative of any, anyone that's been able to support us and, and, and just all our fans in general that have supported us throughout the years in any way that you have, you know, it doesn't have to be monetarily, but definitely appreciate all our fans and, just want to say thank you. Yeah, the people take take the time to listen to us ramble. Yeah. You know, to discuss the series, break it down, streaming. Absolutely. You know, YouTube uh, YouTube video making, you know, any any type of content that we put out. You know, we appreciate every one of them. It's always been a blast making it for you guys. And and we always love hearing your responses, your, you know, your praises, your, your compliments. You know, we love it. And, and even the criticisms, you know, we. Yeah. Try to, you know, try to take things, you know, and fix things up. If you don't like things a certain way, just always give us a shout to us, you know? Yeah. So, I, yeah, I just want to thank you guys for taking a small part of your time, a small part of your life to be a big part of our lives. Because I know, at least for me, this this show is a huge part of my life and has, you know, changed my life and improved my life in so many ways. So, yeah, I just want to thank you guys for being a part of that. So Totally. Anyways, Turo, it is goodbye time. Wow. You know, the last goodbye of 2019. Right. Man, it, it it's going to be weird, you know. 2020 is going to be Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind. I'm going to be officially in my mid-30s. Wow. It's scary. It's scary. And I'll just say, in general, just for gaming, good gravy. Next year yes. is crazy. Yeah, it's going to be a big, huge for gaming. And then for once... 
you know, we're not going to know what's going to go beyond Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah, we don't. It, 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 we're we're going to start that clock over. Yeah. It's a crazy, crazy time to be not just a, a, you know, a gaming fan, but also a Kingdom Hearts fan, a Final Fantasy fan. We got a new console generation starting next year, and at least everything that I'm hearing, I'm, I'm hearing mostly, like, real positive things from developers. They're saying, like, they, they love the, the new platforms, and they're apparently very, very, very powerful, so can't wait to see what gaming is going to turn into in the next generation also uh just real quick hey the half-life series is continuing i know that doesn't relate to us necessarily but what god can you can you can you believe that you know final fantasy 15 was released kingdom Hearts 3 was released seven remakes is getting released death stranding was released yes and, and then half-life, and half-life is getting another game that's crazy I- I couldn't in my wildest <laughs> dreams predict all of that because so so many and Shenmue three and Last Guardian and can't forget those all, all yeah you can't forget those all of those came out Duke Nukem Persona came out five too. Duke, Duke Nukem Forever there's a lot of stuff that came out this generation and it's just crazy yeah so I just can't wait to see what the next decade is like and uh, yeah hope you'll be there with us so yeah uh, say goodbye Astro. Bye, guys. Uh, it's been a great 2019. I'll, we'll see you guys in the next year, 2020. Yep. Gotta live it up. Yep. So just a quick happy holidays, happy new year. See you next year. I'm Brandon saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com production. Mm-hmm.